Hello, everybody. I'm very uh, happy to be here on Easter and celebrate together a very auspicious uh, time. I decided to do it outside, so we have a little bit more green. Uh, I hope that this time you can hear me. I'm sorry about last time. Um, there was probably a reason why it had to be silent eventually, but uh, I hope this time we're not going to be silenced by technology. But anyway, uh, this has been a very interesting week, definitely, and it's still interesting. I mean, today is a very, very powerful day. We're going to talk about uh, uh, what is happening today. I mean, obviously, most of you know that there is a convergence that's very rare. I think last time it happened was 1991. Uh, even though it takes everybody every, around 33 years, the regular cycle, around 33 years, uh, this time we are back to 1991 when we had a convergence of the three a holy, I mean, one of, let's say, the three very holy days for the three Abrahamic uh, traditions, those that came from Abraham, at least uh, uh, metaphysically speaking or symbolically speaking. We're talking about the Ramadan, which is the revelation of the Quran uh, to uh, Muhammad at 610 CE, uh, converging with Passover and converging with Easter. Now, Easter and Passover always walk hand in hand together. They're linked basically to the same idea that is astrological in nature. Of course, the Ramadan is also astrological in nature. It's uh, the celebration of the nine month, the nine lunar month. But because there is a difference of 11 to 12 days uh, between the solar and the lunar uh, month, a year calendar, they basically Ramadan is moving around the year, kind of like um, seeing how it is to fast during the day in different different seasons. Easter and Passover are basically interesting holidays because they have to do with the full moon and yet they are bind by the sun as well. They will always fall in uh, the season, the right season. And the way they do it is because of the Jewish holiday is kind of linked with the golden cord to the equinox. And the equinox is, as you know, solar. But uh, the Passover always happens on the full moon, which is lunar. It's a clever way of basically putting together mother and father. It's almost as if the kid came up with an idea because mother and father are having such a terrible time and they're about to get divorced. Uh, then let's come up with this concept of, being, uh, of connecting a holiday both to the sun and to the moon. And this whole holiday uh, of Passover, which of course gave birth to Easter, it has to do with the full moon in Libra. We talked about it a little bit um, last week, but since then I've managed to do a class and a, some YouTube, uh, some uh, live um, Instagrams also for you guys, a post that I put out there about Easter and Passover, and it made me think a little bit more about the holiday and about what we can actually practically do to honor it. Because the whole idea behind holidays or special occasions is to dress nicely, to dress differently. Sorry, I didn't uh, dress nicely. I mean, I always dress the same way. But I'm saying normal people, you know, they go to church, they go to synagogue, they go to um, a party, they go to an event, they'll dress especially. There's a dress code, either internal or external to most people. And the idea of dressing something, putting on your nakedness, something that is not only connected to the spirit of the holiday, but also associated with everybody else, therefore creating a uniform, in a sense, to the community is interesting. And what happens with holidays is that the uniform could be metaphysical, it could be symbolic, it could be spiritual. So if we look at Passover, Passover is built, and we talked about it quite a lot last time and in general, so I, I'm sorry I repeat myself, but I think it's kind of important to uh, stress the uh, actual importance of this weekend in this whole month of Aries, uh, starting on the 20th usually of March, which is the spring equinox in the Northern Hemisphere, and ending at the 20th of uh, May. So that month of Aries is loaded with symbolism. Why? Because it is the first month of the Zodiac. And remember the law of the beginning. The way you start something will determine how it unfolds. That's the whole concept behind first impression, that we make an immediate impression of somebody and we understand how the relationship is going to last for the rest of our time together. Same thing with the Zodiac year. If we start with Aries, Aries has a great deal of potential. It's basically the seed, the egg, the sperm that gives the... the 
information, the DNA, you can say, of the next year. So everything that happens in Aries is magnified dramatically because of the law of beginning. The way we start the astrological year will determine how we live our life from this equinox to the equinox of 2023. And for that reason, we have these holidays happening here to help us steer ourselves in the right direction at least and not to uh, venture off to places that we can get lost you know so the first one that comes in of course is the equinox and the equinox reminds us yes it is the law of the beginning it's the beginning of the year yes Aries is a masculine sign but it begins in the time where the masculine and the feminine the sun and the moon uh, the light and the dark are equal so it's emerging out of that equality. Aries is springing into action in the Northern Hemisphere and gives us a lot of movement, a lot of pushing. Uh, the heat of Aries melts the frozen rivers of winter, allowing us to get into the connection to water, connection to emotions, because sometimes in the winter, emotions are frozen. We're so focused on survival that we have no space for compassion. We have no place for unconditional love. These are things that are uh, we can't really have now if we're trying to fight for our life, right? So the idea of Aries, it melts the sea, it melts, sorry, it melts the lakes, it melts the rivers, so we can actually cross over them. We can actually move from one place to the other and we can enjoy everything that nature has to give us. We're preparing basically for Taurus, which is going to start um, Tuesday, I think. Yeah, in three days, which is when Mother Nature is in her full, full bloom, when she's wearing, wearing her most beautiful, smelling, great-looking, sounding garments. Of uh, spring, at least in the northern hemisphere. So we start with the equinox. Equinox is our first, let's say, a letter of this uh, zodiac alphabet in a sense. So we start with the equinox, which is the time which we mentioned a lot of time. The barley is coming out of the uh, earth. Now the nature gives us barley. It's the first grain that was. Um, Domesticated, it's the first grain that kind of emerges out of um, a winter. So that idea of the first of his kind is very much associated with the concepts of Aries. So already the equinox give us the general vibe of what we need to focus on for the next 30 days. And like I said, because it's the first sign, the next 12 signs. So that's the equinox. And what happened is that later on, on this skeleton of the full moon in Libra and the equinox, so we have the full moon in Libra here, we have the equinox here, and in between somewhere we're supposed to have the new moon in Aries also, which is always traveling around uh, this period of time, these dates, uh, because uh, of its nature of being a lunar holiday so therefore it's not solar that's why it can fall in different dates but the idea is that it's going to be coming after um, the equinox because the equinox is the first day of Aries therefore it can either fall on the equinox or after the equinox in the next two weeks after equinox and the new moon in Aries which this year was April 1st is the big starting of the year it's actually the initial um, movement it's the uh, turning on the engine, you can say, uh, or pressing it these days on the start engine and, and bringing us into action. That's the new moon, which is very important. And the new moon doesn't have a specific holiday uh, because most of the holidays in Judaism fall actually on the full moon. The reason why, by the way, the full moon is so important in Judaism, I, it dawned to me just a few days ago, um, I'm sure that other people thought about it before, that the way we... Um, the way that numerology works, not numerology, the way they count the dates of the year, of the month in Judaism, it starts with, in the Hebrew calendar, it starts with Aleph. Aleph is the Alpha, the first day. So the new moon will always be an Aleph day. Okay, the first day is considered A, you can say. The second day will be the B of whatever uh, uh, we're whatever month it is. Then we'll have the C, Aleph, Bet, Gimel. And so it goes on until 14. What happened in the 15, if you want to say 15 and according to the Hebrew alphabet, you have to say yod Hey, And yod Hey are the first two letters of the unpronounceable name of God, Yahweh. I'm pronouncing it because we don't know how to pronounce it anyway. You can call it Yahweh, Yehovah, Yahweh. We don't know how to say it anyway, so it's totally fine. You're safe. Uh, the Bible was received without the vowel, so we can't really tell how certain things sounded. 
But anyway, Yod Hey is the first few if you're, if the, the the word of God. That's why even uh, Marley, uh, Bob Marley used to say Jah Jah Yod Hey is Jah in general is the idea of the name of God, but it's supposed to be unpronounceable. But Yod Hey, those two letters combined together, adds up to fifteen in gematria, the numerology in Judaism. Therefore. The 15th day cannot be called Yod Hey. It's um, disrespectful every month to mention the name of God in associated with a date. And therefore, they decided to change the Yod Hey to another two letters that add up to 15. Tet Vav. Tet is 9. Vav is 6. 9 plus 6. 15. So every time there is a full moon, it will fall on 2. Like we have 2 Bishvat or we have 2 Be'av. It's the 15th of a certain month. So... The 15th of every month happens to also be the full moon because the full moon is about, uh, the month is about 28, 29 days. You split it into two, you're getting into the yod Hey day. So that's why it is so important because every full moon, it's as if we experience the Yah, the Jah, the energy of the divine, which is associated with wisdom, by the way, in the tree of life. So we have to wait until the 15th, not to start on the new moon, on the 15th day of the moon, which is basically the full moon. So that's why a lot of the holidays in Judaism will, full, will fall on the full moon. And this full moon is the most important in Judaism by far. It is the full moon of Passover, which represents liberation. It's coming out of slavery into uh, freedom. And not only freedom, the free will idea. It's the establishment of their country. The, the, um, you can say this is very much associated with the promised land. That's precisely what Ukrainians, for example, are trying to fight now for their own ability to determine who they are, even though their enemies uh, decided they don't really exist. You know. So the idea is that on a Passover, there is this concept of working with the full moon in Libra. Now, what is the full moon in Libra? Said Aries, the sun in Aries is I am. It, the sun is exalted in Aries. It means that it's getting the most powerful energy when it's in Aries. So therefore, the idea is that you're focusing on yourself. You're focusing on your identity. Remember the burning bush uh, being asked by Moses, who are you? And the, books, the bush said, I am that I am. And I am is also the key word for Aries of course because it's the initiation it's the identity when you meet somebody the first time you've never met them before you're probably going to be asked what's your name and you're probably going to say I am or nice to meet you I'm Gal right so you establish your identity in the first meeting you establish your identity in the first sign so the I am comes from the sun exalted in Aries but the sun is opposite to the moon in Libra and Libra is the mirror you know who you are because somebody asked you, what is your name? And you said, I am whatever, my, your name. Same thing, the idea with, um, uh, with the concept of uh, um, Aries being I am, while Libra, the opposite sign, being we are. So sometimes Libras say uh, the key word is I balance. It's true. But what do you balance? You balance between yourself and your significant other. Or you balance what you need with the needs of the other person. And in fact, in the tarot card, the moon in Libra is associated with the two of swords. And that's the card of peace in the Crowley deck or the Toth deck. And you are in peace when you are happy in a relationship and yet able in that relationship to be yourself. That's the idea of peace, a peaceful relationship. A reciprocal relationship is when you don't lose yourself in the relationship, where you're able to be yourself, I am, and yet together with another person, we are. So the whole idea of Passover is establishing your identity in reference to another person and getting that peace coming from, even though we're in Aries, which is the sign of war, from a partner balancing you or balancing your need. And in fact, the two of swords in the tarot card and that, therefore, the full moon in Libra is associated with a spiritual decision. And the spiritual decision is basically emerging out of the cave. That leads us to the second story of this weekend, which is Easter, of course. So again, Passover is all about liberation, breaking away from the shackles, discovering who you are, breaking away from your Egypt, from your slavery, from oppression, whoever it is oppressing you, and getting into your promised land. Great, I got it to promised land. Now what? Now, if you think about the ideas of the stories, it's fascinating if you really dig deep into the stories. We have a character that we call Moses, who is the ultimate Aries. Um, he is, Christ was also an Aries. Muhammad was also an Aries. So it's also 
Christmas or very auspicious as all of these holidays are meeting in Aries during the period of Aries. So we have Moses. And if you noticed in the story of Moses, maybe you uh, read it from Exodus, that he had a little bit of an issue with water. Before he was born, he was sentenced to death uh, because Pharaoh said that all the males Hebrews should be sent into the water, into the Nile to be drowned. Then uh, the first... Um, uh, he met his wife in the well, saving her from bandits that were trying to steal her flocks and herself and her virginity. Okay, that's again another situation. Then he has to uh, uh, come to Egypt, liberate the slaves. And the first plague that he gives, the first big magic, is transforming water into blood. Then he has to cross the Sea of Reed. Again, it's a water barrier. Then he gets punished by God for not listening and trusting enough in a place called Meimeriva, the water of strife, where he hit the rock instead of asking it for water so he definitely had an issue with water i mean all fire signs have a little bit of an issue with water but he had definitely an issue from water even his name moshe in hebrew it's a pun means to draw him out of the water so the whole idea is that he had some unresolved karma with water definitely and we know that for sure because when god told him you need to die a uh, not crossing into the promised land you cannot cross over to the promised land because you had some um, uh, screw up with the water situation with the rock Moses dies not entering the holy land meaning that he couldn't cross the Jordan River that's a baptism that he could not do even in the Sea of Reed he splashed open in order to cross he didn't walk on the water like Jesus or baptize himself in the water so imagine Jesus being the reincarnation of Moses and then he comes 1,300 years later and says, you know what? I'm not only going to baptize myself in the river, I'm going to start my ministry in the water on my Saturn return. So there you have Jesus, 29 and a half, starting his ministry precisely on his Saturn return in the Jordan River. And his whole uh, idea is instead of an eye for an eye, it's um, a cheek for your own cheek, right? If somebody hits your cheek, Give him the other cheek. You have two cheeks, no problem. If he hits the other cheek, well, you have other cheeks in your power of the body. Uh, lower there, you can offer these cheeks if you're really into it. So the whole idea of Jesus is connecting to water and appreciating water. That's why his message was much more about compassion than anything else. Now, at the end of his ministry, he goes to do his Passover, of course, to pay respect to Moses, uh, his past reincarnation in a sense. And right after the Passover dinner, he is being apprehended by the occupier, the Romans. And there is some issue with bureaucracy. Eventually on Good Friday, uh, last Friday, he was crucified. And two days, three days later, in Sunday, he emerges out of the cave. This is the most important thing for today's work for you guys, for your ritual in a sense. Um, Oops, I think that because I'm in the... Um, let's see how long do I still have with my battery. 30%. Well, let's see what happens. Anyway, the idea behind uh, Easter is really interesting because I like to focus on Easter on that idea of coming out of the cave, coming out of the womb in a sense, emerging out of the darkness. So that's really what this holiday is all about. So if you really want to make it a mystical and spiritual holiday for yourselves, what you need to do is focus on imagining where are you trapped? Where are you in some kind of comfortably numb situation? Sometimes the comfortably numb could be also um, what Freud used to talk about as secondary gain. Uh, things that we gain or, or uh, pleasure or some benefits that we gain from our affliction, from our problem. So this is your cave. Because sometimes caves are, are, are comfortable. They're nice. For example, I do a lot of time past lifetime regression. And through the past lifetime regression, we have to actually go through a, a moment where you are in your mother's womb again. And a lot of people fall asleep at that time or get lost. And I have to kind of like really speak loud for them to return. Sometimes they don't want to come out or be born. So the cave doesn't have to be a bad place. It's sometimes a place where we feel safe, secured, and comfortably numb. But remember, this is Aries. Aries is all about breaking from the womb, being born, uh, coming out of it. Even if you're Aries, think about Aries as the archetype of Aries. It's coming out of the goddess's womb. I'm sure the goddess's womb is a very comfortable place, uh, very easy to live in. 
in a sense. Think about Plato and his metaphor of the cave, of that place that you sit. If you're born in the cave, you always see on the wall uh, these uh, reflections of light coming from outside, thinking that everything is two-dimensional until you go out and suddenly you realize that things are not black and white and people actually have 3D uh, dimensions, right? So the whole idea of the coming out of that cave, out of ignorance, out of comfortably numb, out of uh, that uh, habit. So whatever it is happening right now, we have a chance to break away from our habits and be born again in a sense. That whole coming out of the cave is super important right now because when Jesus came out of his cave, he no longer was Jesus of Nazareth. He was, in a sense, Christ. He, was, he found his divine part. He accepted his divinity in a sense. And we are all imbued with that spark of God inside of us. So what happens every Easter during Aries, which is I am, we are somewhat reminded of our divine spark. The I am in us is giving us this echo of the bush saying I am that I am. So the whole focus in Easter should be to find the spark of your divinity, to find a part where you are divine in a sense. And think about also in the mythology of Christianity, what happened is that the first character to identify that Jesus has emerged or returned is um, Maria Magdalena. And Maria Magdalena, of course, Magdalena means the tower uh, in Hebrew. Tower is Mars in the tarot card. Mars is the ruler of Aries. So you see how all of these things converge together in a sense. And also uh, what happened is that it is a feminine energy that receives Christ's divinity. So it is out of the cave, which is feminine, Christ coming out and he's meeting the first, inter first interaction he has is with somebody who recognizes his divinity and that's Maria Magdalena. It's a feminine energy in a sense. So the same thing this day. Think about who is it in your life that really gets you, but not gets you because they love you, because they're your mother or because they're your lover or whatever. Who gets the divine part of you? Who can see the divine in you? Not uh, necessarily the intelligent in you or the money-making in you or the talented in you, but that divine spark. It's not always the same people. So really look into who is your Maria Magdalena. The reason why we are so obsessed with eggs and bunnies, that's an influence that comes from different traditions, all the way from Western Europe, uh, that probably drifted slowly and came into uh, converging with uh, Eastern Europe and uh, Western Asia, which is basically the Middle East. So it's East meet West, in a sense, the eggs. And the eggs are also a very old idea of the egg of life that is surrounded with a serpent. That's basically the egg and the sperm, you can say. And the eggs are important because they represent fertility, which is obviously very much associated with what's happening right now. And in Christianity, the idea was adopted by the concept of inside the egg is uh, the cheek uh, or, or Christ. You know? So the breaking of the egg, in a sense, is the breaking of the uh, um, shell, in a way, of the cave, because it looks kind of like a cave to break through. Now, we had in, um, when I was growing up in Israel, we had a really interesting tradition that we used to do in Passover, which uh, I thought everybody did, but apparently it turned out to be that it wasn't that popular, actually, among the Jews. And I thought that everybody does it. You know, it's like growing up intuitive and thinking, oh, everybody th can do things. And then later on, you find out that it's actually uh, not the case. So the game is uh, egg tapping. I don't know if you heard about it, but it's a great game to do today. If it's not too late for you to do it, definitely uh, do it. My, my, I asked my mother for the recipe, and you basically put the eggs, boil them for three to four hours with uh, Earl Grey tea and with uh, like uh, the onions, um, the, the, the coat of the onions or the shell, not the shell, the, the peels of the onions and you just boil it for uh, on on low on small uh, fire we call it like um, low fire whatever you boil it for like four or five hours then you'll see that they're going to have different shapes they look like like jupiter in a sense they look like little planets and then what you do is you start doing a tap war you tap the eggs whoever's eggs cracked uh, loses they have to open it and eat it and that's your emerging out of the cave and whoever gets the, the last egg that does not crack uh, wins and I think that would be a great game for you to do. You can combine it by doing these eggs, painting them, hiding them, then collecting them, and then having the egg, the tapping of the eggs. So that's a nice uh, exercise or 
something to do. Even if you don't have kids, you can do it um, uh, with your friends. I told you, this is a day for your inner child. Uh, the reason why, again, children are ruled by the sun. Remember, Leo is the ruler of children, and the ruler of Leo is the sun. But where is the sun exalted? May, where is the child feeling the best during Aries? You eat the eggs after because uh, you can't eat them before, because before the eggs are inside. So you, first of all, boil the eggs, you make the top topping, and then you can peel it if, you're, uh, if you lost and eat it. And if you're the winner, you can uh, eat it also. And it's the egg of all eggs. You're the king of the eggs. Um, so what else did we, uh, did I want to focus on today? Let me, um, you know what, let me get the, uh, do I have, do I have, um, electricity here no so we're gonna have to trust huh trusting is always good um, it's not always works out the way you explain it well that's um it's good nevertheless so let's see if we make it uh with the batteries that i have um so first of all uh, what happened this week there was a few in interesting um uh, coincidences or let's say Astrology have been very, very busy this year, this week, sorry. Um, this was really something, the interesting thing about the Russian flagship uh, Black Sea missile cruiser, the Moskva, uh, that sank. Uh, of course, according to the Russian, it was just happened to be a fire that um, uh, brought the whole ship down with its uh, admiral, I think, or the captain or the general that was killed. Um, even if it was a fire, you know, Aries is a fire sign. But the interesting thing is that most likely what happened is that a Neptune missile uh, hit it. Now, I was thinking this is really crazy because right when the missile hit the Moskva, which is very symbolic, you know, uh, Moskva is, of course, the capital of uh, um, of of, of uh, the capital of Russia. And, of course, it was the capital of USSR when this ship was actually built. So it's one of the Soviet um, ships. So, you know, in uh, Putin's attempt to make Russia great again, uh, obviously to bring it back to the times, the glorious times of Stalin and, uh, and the Soviets obviously didn't work as planned. And it's interesting because the Neptune missile hit this boat uh, right when Jupiter and Neptune were together, conjunct since 1855 is the last time in Pisces, which is, uh, of course the sea but also neptune and jupiter are the ruler of pisces and you know a lot of people have experienced a great deal of energy or changes in the last four or five days six days even a week because of that yes it's supposed to be very good and auspicious of course it was really good for the ukrainian it wasn't that good for the 510 people uh, that were the crew in that um boat and of course to their mothers and their kids and their uh, lovers or whatever but it it's it's interesting how jupiter and neptune work because it's so intense and it's so piscean it caused for a lot of people a lot of um emotional stress let's say or discomfort because what happened was that jupiter and Pi in uh, neptune in pisces can be very empathic, meaning that you completely open your channels and you feel everything, whether it's things that's happening to you, whether it's uh, things that happen to other people um, around you, there is a very strong sense of empathy. So again, this is slowly drifting away. We'll talk about it, but that's a part of that energy. Another interesting that happened uh, during this build-up to Jupiter and Neptune uh, um, Conjunct, I have to say it, it's something that really made me laugh quite a lot during these very difficult times, is Carl Tucker, Carlson Tucker's uh, television uh, sexual fantasies, if you noticed it. I think it's called The End of Men. Funny enough, we actually talked about this uh, concept a year ago, a year and a half ago, uh, about how plastic waste has been linked in the last few years from really good work that a lot of uh, uh, scientists, instead of um, uh, just random nonsense that Tucker's uh, talk about, uh, that this plastic uh, contamination probably is linked to the reduced level of testosterone in uh, men's um, 
I don't know where you can say it in the men's bodies you can say so the whole he did a whole special which is you know if I didn't know that it was a Tucker and a Fox production I would say it's probably some kind of commercial to a pride weekend or maybe to a gay cruise uh, that takes men to milk shirtless men uh, to shoot guns uh, to wrestle and to milk cows it's very important to milk cows when you are shirtless you know and buff so it's really interesting and then I'm sure you saw it a lot. Um, it's it's really funny, though. Um, and he says that the end of uh, men is one of the biggest stories of his lifetime. And I think that basically he was looking for a long time to bring his inner gay out. And he didn't know how to do it because of his, uh, you know, sponsors and because he's in Fox. That he just decided to do this really interesting documentary with a lot of shirtless guys and live his fantasy. I mean, this is the logo of the of the show. Could you believe this? I mean, for you guys who can't see it, you see a naked guy going like this, and there is this, I don't know what, that shines his uh, penis with uh, bright light. And, you know, uh, these conservative people that are so worried about grooming gays in schools, basically, um, this is much more grooming gaydom uh, anywhere else. So, again, Jupiter and Neptune uh, in Pisces can cause an illusion and can bring about your fantasies. So if you notice that you're being a little bit more fantastical in the last few days, well, it's totally you're totally in line with uh, Zygast of uh, Tucker Carlson and his uh, Fox friends. Let's see what we have this week as main aspect. So April 17 and 18 is very, very interesting for us because we have Mercury conjunct Uranus. It talks about brilliance. Uh, your IQ is going to rise a little bit temporarily, and then it goes down after. But at least you can use it. So if you need any kind of insights or anything that uh, is important for you in your life to get like clarity, brainstorm, um, anything that you need solution for or resolution for, this is going to be a great time. April 17, 18, it's basically today, tomorrow. It's Mercury, the ruler of uh, the mind with Uranus, which is ingenious, uh, great ideas. And even if you don't think they're possible to manifest them, just write them down on your phone on a file or something, because maybe eventually you're going to have a lot of energy, a lot of time, a lot of money and no ideas. Now you might have a lot of ideas and no money and time. It's no problem. Just write it down and delay it for a future date. April 21, we're going to have Saturn uh, squaring the North Node and the South Node. And this could be a little bit challenging, especially with uh, memories from past lifetimes. But on the other hand, what's happening is that you're clearing and cleaning some kind of spring cleaning, let's say, of karmic debts. So um, it's almost as if you're lifting the um, carpet and seeing what's under there uh, from a few lifetimes ago. So it could be interesting. Also, it could be meeting people who are older than you that could challenge you, but also by training you uh, from past lifetimes. And also April 24, we're going to have Mercury conjunct the North Node. Again, the North Node is very active these days. And North Node is, again, all about karma, all about things that have to do with uh, uh, past lives, lessons from past lifetimes. And Mercury conjunct North Node, great for writing, for writing. It's as if you're riding the dragon. And it talks about good energy, especially for finance, meeting like-minded people, joining some groups that could be very helpful for you. So again, very strong positive energy that has to do a lot with um, a mind, business and communication. The other thing that we're going through this week is the connection to Taurus. Um, let's look at what does that mean? I just want to, again, even though I trust. Yeah. Um, so what does that uh, talk about? Taurus, we're going to have it in April, tw um, April 20th. Yeah, in April 20th, we are starting our Taurus journey. And that's going to be until May 20th, right? So it's 30 days that we are going to become Taurus. So what I recommend during this time is to become a Taurus during the passage of the sun in Taurus. And it's also going to be very helpful because we're going to have the North Node now in Taurus. So the North Node is what we're supposed to learn. The sun is teaching us lessons about Taurus. It's as if we are supposed to learn how to speak Spanish and suddenly we decided to go to Guatemala. It's great because even though you don't speak Spanish so well, in Guatemala you're going to be having the, the ability to speak to a lot of people in uh, Spanish because we're not going to have um, any more English speaking there. So the same thing with uh, Taurus. You're going to learn a lot about the Taurus qualities or the Taurus energies in the next 30 days. 
So that's going to be a part of um, your journey right now. So this is going to be a pretty powerful time of, uh, let's say, especially for finance, especially for connecting to your talents, to your self-worth, to the five senses. This is a great time to pamper yourself. Indulge yourself to the healthy position. You know, don't like uh, go uh, crazy. We're moving from the energy of I am, which has been gearing us for the last 30 days, into I have. And I have will be a period where you're going to focus on your values because that's what you have, your worth, I mean, also your financial worth, your talents and your um, um, everything that has to do with your ability to ground yourself through the five senses. So it's as if in the next, let's say, um, 30 days, you're going to be able to ground yourself to the earth. That's why it's a fixed earth sign. That's why we celebrate Earth Day on the 22nd of April. 22nd is always a very auspicious uh, number. It talks about the master builder, and it's the master builder of planet Earth. Planet Earth is definitely a build is a builder. I mean, look at the forest. They say that one big redwood is uh, the same quantity of material as a 30,000 uh, people's village. So think about it. One redwood. So the idea is that you are connected to Mother Nature. So hiking, uh, connecting to green, uh, walk, I mean, being connected to nature, changing even your diet to a healthier one, doing things with your physical body, going to concerts, maybe going to museums, uh, gallery shows, anything to do with tourist qualities is going to be a great thing for you to work with Taurus or to connect to Taurus in that sense. So, again, our job is to connect to Taurus. Taurus is I have. And, funny enough, the letter, the Hebrew letter that um, is associated with Taurus is Vav. Vav means to put together. Uh, Vav is a very interesting letter in Hebrew. Uh, we're moving from He, which is uh, the letter of Aries, to Vav, which is the letter of Taurus, according to the Book of Creation, according to Sefer Etzirah. And what we're going to do in Taurus is connect um, and be connected. What does that mean? Vav in Hebrew does a few things. Vav is like the article the, uh, and, sorry, so boy and girl, yeled ve Yalda. I know that in Turkey also they have the same thing. Turkish ve is and. I think it's probably coming from wa, which is in Arabic also. The same sound, the same letter. It means and, to connect. So it's not only connecting two objects physically. Vav in Hebrew, especially in, in um, biblical Hebrew, also talks about the union between past and future. It's really a brilliant idea. I don't know if any other languages have it. For example, in the Bible, it says a lot of time, Vayomer Elohim. Vayomer, Yomer is actually future said. But when you say Va, instead of the future, it transforms it to the past. It's kind of crazy. It's like saying, will, I'll do it. And then adding the and before and I'll do it. And then suddenly it becomes, I did it in the past. It's kind of crazy. It's kind of taking past and future, putting it together. In a sense. So that's what Taurus does. It connects us. It's the tree of life. It connects us in the sense to the earth, but it also allows us to connect time. So not only connecting space, but connecting time happens during Taurus. And basically, it is the period where Mother Nature is going to be the most beautiful, at least in the Northern Hemisphere. And you know what? Even in the Southern Hemisphere, this Taurus energy is almost like Scorpio, which means that the leaves are falling. Um, there is foliage. It's still very, very beautiful. But it's the other beauty. It's the beauty of death instead of the beauty of life. But that's what uh, the idea of Taurus and Scorpio is all about. Taurus is the beauty of life, it's spring, and Scorpio is the beauty of death, it's uh, the foliage. And they're both as beautiful, because remember the zodiac works in opposition, like we said, today we talked a lot about Aries Libra, and from next week we're going to talk a lot about Scorpio and Taurus. And right now the North and the South Node are in Taurus and Scorpio. We're supposed to let go of the beauty of death for a, li- a little bit, not to get uh, too intoxicated by death, and focus more on the beauty of life. That's what Taurus is. And the message of Taurus, and that's what Taurus is so important for us uh, right now, is that there's a formula, equation for Taurus to be successful. And that basically means if you take your talents and you add the self-worth and your values, you will make money. Money without self-worth, money without talent, 
is uh, lechem bizayon, is, is blood, uh, is shameful bread, you can say. So the whole idea is that if you are making money out of your own talents and they're linked to your values, like, for example, uh, um, you know, some of the anchors in Fox News we just mentioned that will be vaccinated immediately and then we'll tell everybody not to do it or uh, we'll go against... Um, um, gay and lesbian and then have this uh, basically uh, promotion for gay, gay pride. You know, that kind of, that's, that's bread of shame. These are people who will have to pay many lifetimes in the future dealing with a lot of their nonsense right now. The idea is to make money from your talents while you're linked to your self-worth and in connection to your values. That's the message of Taurus. That's the connector. That's the letter Vav in Hebrew that is associated with Taurus. And, and, and also what's going to happen for you during this month, through a lot of coincidences and serendipities, you will discover much more your true talents, your true abilities, if you pay attention to the signs. So that will be... Great activity. Now, uh, yes, somebody asked about the decans. Because we had the crazy weeks of uh, Passover and all that, next week we're going to complete all of that. We're going to dedicate next week, unless something crazy happens that is associated with the planets, and I'm going to have to tell you I'm sorry again. But we're going to do next week all the rest of the signs, the nine signs that were left from Cancer onward with the decans. So next week we're going to definitely talk about the decans and the planets and how they are positioned in each one of the signs so we can have it um you can have it for a tours but again on earth day which is the 22nd highly recommended to do something for nature including just going out and spending time in nature and for the 20th of april which again is the beginning of tours again something to do with green something to do with mother nature uh, will be a great um activity if we look at the dates that are happening uh, this year, this week. Um, so let's see. Today we have the. Today is the seventeenth. Yeah, today is the seventeenth. We have the moon in. Where's the moon? In Scorpio. Oh, it's Aries and moon in Scorpio. It's almost like. Um, so Aries and Moon in Scorpio, both of them are ruled by Mars. So if we talked about Maria Magdalena on Sunday, ruled by Magdalena, by the Migdal, by uh, uh, the Tower. Tower is the ruler of Aries. Well, it's also the ruler of Scorpio. So today we have the Sun in Aries, Minerva in Aries, Chiron in Aries, all the teachers, all the wise men in Aries. We have Apollo in Aries because the Sun is exalted in Aries. We have Minerva, the goddess of wisdom in Aries, and we have Chiron, the wise one in Aries. A lot of wisdom. So you're going to be either providing that wisdom to other people or other people are going to provide that wisdom to you. But this is a very wise day indeed. And the moon in Scorpio just makes it very transformative wisdom. So you have this ability right now to transform or to have wisdom that helps you transform. And as you can see, Mercury is coming very close to Uranus uh, in Taurus opposite to the moon. So there's going to be a lot of like, uh, wait, what was I saying? What was I saying? There's a little bit of confusion because when the moon is opposite to Mercury and Mercury is in Taurus, which is not the happiest place for Mercury, uh, there is a lot of confusion. There's a lot of um, uh, emotions over intellect and uh, some kind of uh, battle between reason and emotions, which is basically uh, all of the Greek tragedies are built upon it. And we have this very kind of uh, interesting dynamic we have a fire sign aries but we have a lot of water today we have um, mars venus neptune jupiter in pisces a uh, moon in scorpio so 30 uh, 50 percent of the chart is in water signs emotions and yet we are dealing with fire so there's going to be a lot of steam so just make sure that the steam is not um, uh, thoughts that are just like going in loops but we have a Mars moving into Pisces. Again, I told you, any activity in water, swimming, surfing, sailing, um, I don't know, tub, being in a tub, yeah, I guess it's some kind of an activity if, if you can stretch in the tub in water. But anything to do with water right now will be activity with water for the next three weeks, four weeks, even a month. It will be great. Especially when we have Venus in Pisces exalted, Neptune and Jupiter still very connected in um, Pisces, which are their sign. So it's really, really a transformative Sunday and Monday that has to do a lot with wisdom. So wisdom that transforms is the key word for the next few days. 
Um, and Mercury on top of um, Uranus is getting very tight. So today and tomorrow, like we said, 17, 18, Uranus on top of Mercury, brilliant ideas, especially with innovation, technology, e-commerce, any kind of good uh, messages or anything of ideas, anything of wisdom, like I told you, is going to be very strong, especially when it's supported with Mercury conjunct Uranus, which happens once a year approximately, but still. It's very uh, good to use. We hardly have any oppositions uh, that day. The moon is opposite to uh, the north node, but uh, on top of the south node. But the reason why it's happening is because we're getting closer and closer to the eclipses. One of the things we're going to talk a little bit about next week is the upcoming eclipse season. So if you haven't noticed, we so far didn't have any kind of retrograde for a long time since the uh, beginning of February, if you remember. Uh, the retrograde season is coming back right with the eclipse season. So it's going to be pretty intense. Things are going to move really, really fast right now. So April 30th, May 16th are the next eclipses. Not a good time to start too many things around then. But now is a great time to start because you can push it before the waves come and then you can paddle through them and achieve what you need to achieve. So there's going to be a great time to make things go faster at the end of the month, beginning of next month. But whatever you want to move faster, start now because you'll, catch, you'll be able to catch the wave. Neptune on top of Jupiter, conjunction. Uh, Minerva on top of the sun, conjunction tomorrow. Uranus on top of Mercury, conjunction. There's a lot of conjunction. Conjunction means energy is coming together very intense, very deep in order to um, move things faster later on as the, as the planets separate. Um, then what we have on um, Tuesday is the moon finally moving into Sagittarius, which is actually a very optimistic energy. It talks about um, a lot of uh, expansion through travel. If you're traveling, it's great. Anything to do with learning, teaching, wisdom, foreign cultures, foreign traditions, a lot of learning that is happening. So again, we have an emphasis on wisdom, emphasis on learning, accumulating information, accumulating data. It's not about necessarily yet executing. It's more about absorbing information. Don't forget that 40% of the chart is still in Pisces, which is is a very receptive sign. It's like all the rivers flow to the sea and yet the sea is never full. All the water flows into Pisces and yet Pisces is never full. You know, it's almost like it's... it's uh, And we have also a, a lot of positivity now going on in Pisces. So anything to do with meditation, stretching, yoga, mysticism, poetry, dance, movement, creativity in general, imagination, it's going to be very, very strong in the next few days. Then on the 20th, we're moving into Taurus land and we have the Sun in Taurus, Uranus in Taurus, Mercury in Taurus, North Node in Taurus. And the Taurus and Pisces connection, which we have almost like, what, 70% of the chart, are very compatible. So it means that most of the planets in the next few days are actually, next few weeks even, are working for you. That Earth energy and this water energy. So here we have the rock Taurus. And the water, Pisces, that Aries wanted to um, uh, break through, but now it's flowing effortlessly. So we have a lot of very strong feminine energies from April 20th for at least um, a, a few weeks. And it will be supported when the moon moves into Capricorn, which is towards the end of the week. We're going to have a very feminine energy. The only place that uh, we're going to have masculine energy is Saturn in Aquarius, which is uh, where Saturn is going to be for the whole year. The rest of the planets are going to be very much from Thursday on, very feminine for a few days. And that just goes to show uh, Tucker that it ain't going to work for him. So April 21, we have the Moon in Capricorn, Feminine, Pluto in Capricorn, Feminine, Mars, Venus, Jupiter, Neptune in Pisces, Cap in Feminine, Sun, Uranus, and your Mercury in Taurus, Feminine. It's all feminine energies. So it's about the five senses. It's about beauty, design. It's about physicality. It's about compassion. It's about mysticism. It's about um, giving freedom to creativity because Taurus is considered to be the most artistic energy and Pisces is the most imaginative. So we have the ability of the artist and the imagination of the collective unconscious coming together to create a lot of really beautiful things. Because the moon is in, in Capricorn, things are a little bit slow Thursday and Friday, but it's very stable, very grounded, very secured. The moon and the sun are sending beautiful energy to each other. Then on Friday, April 22nd, it is Earth Day, and we're going to have Earth Day on a Friday, which is ruled by Venus during Taurus, which is the ruler 
of uh, Taurus. Venus is the ruler of Taurus. So again, a lot of very strong feminine energy moving forward. We have, well, like I told you, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, ninety percent of the chart is in feminine energy, and covering uh, the idea of Taurus and Pisces and Capricorn. Very, very good to manifest things, practical things, even financially could be very lucrative. Then April 23rd, the moon is moving into Aquarius. So it's going to be giving us a little bit more masculine energy in Saturday. When the moon in Aquarius this weekend of uh, Saturday and Sunday, it's all about communities, people, groups, organizations, uh, spending time a lot with friends. That's going to be Saturday and Sunday when the moon is going to be in both these places. Um, Let's see if there are any questions. And also, I forgot to mention that I'm actually going to be in New York uh, coming very soon at the end of May. So if you want to meet in person, uh, I'm going to do charts in New York and also the uh, Omega workshop in May 29 to June 3rd, which is going to be about um, finding your superhero, finding your power. And we're going to talk about uh, astrology also and the signs uh, and if you haven't been to Omega at that period it is one of the most beautiful places especially because upstate New York in May is very very stunning so let's see if there are any questions that I may uh, know the answer to almost maybe um, eating the eggs after it's happening listen uh, Charlotte yeah I'm totally, totally um, depressed and distressed and uh, annoyed and angry and all of the emotions possible uh, from admiration uh, to hate. I'm sorry to say that. I'm supposed to be compassionate and all, but I'm an Aries, so maybe not. You know, it is unbelievably tough. My feeling, though, on the general of how it's going to come, there's going to be a lot more suffering before it's ended. My feeling, though, is that it's part of those things that will create world change. And I have a very big feeling that, and I, maybe, it's, uh, maybe it's just wishful thinking, I hope not, that, yes, Ukraine is going to suffer a great deal more pain and a lot of other cities are going to be flattened. But at the end, I think they will come out winning out of that. And I think that what will happen with Ukraine is because all of that money funneling there and all of that heroism that they've experienced... Uh, will funnel a lot of finance, a lot of money, and they're going to have modern cities, they're going to have complete new infrastructure, and they're going to be a hub of uh, not only wheat, but also of uh, technology. There's going to be like the Silicon Valley of um, Europe. That's my feeling. I can't tell if I'm projecting what I want, but that's my feeling of what's going to happen uh, there. So... Um, I hope that that will be the case. But yes, I understand. I wake up every morning just to see if Zelensky is still alive, Ukraine is still on the map, um, and uh, to see maybe something happened to Putin. That's the three important things. You know. So, um, any other questions? Um, before I pass, uh, I pass it to Jesus and to the eggs so that you guys can uh, experience what you want uh from uh, the womb. Uh, Earth Day, what can we do to support rebirth generation? You know, I think that the most important thing is to planting a tree. I don't know if you saw that on Amazon. I think it's called The Call to the Forest or Call of the Forest by Diana something. I'm really bad with names, sorry. Uh, I'm bad with faces, I'm bad with names. And therefore, it's very hard for me to remember names of faces, obviously. But um, also books faces, they have the names of the author. I never remember it. But anyway, it's a call to the forest. It's, a t it's actually a special uh, for, it's a visual thing, but it's also based on a book. Really amazing work of um, a woman who grew up with a lot of the knowledge of druids. And then she became a chemist and she checked to see all of those uh, solutions, or all of these remedies that come from herbs, what they actually do here. Call to the forest. Forgotten Wisdom of Trees. You have it there. It's an amazing, amazing, amazing uh, special. You should definitely watch it. And what she come up with the conclusion of being a scientist and a mystic is that if every person for the next six years only plant one tree, native tree, a year in their area, someplace in their city, then global warming will be uh, attacked in a very, very efficient way. It's very, very simple. And it's scientific. It's not like some um, uh, wishful thinking. So anyway... Um, 
Thanks a lot, a lot, a lot uh, for spending the Easter with me. I know it's uh, there's a lot of competition with the bunnies and the uh, eggs out there. And I hope you can still do it if you haven't done it. Um, thank you very much. I had my happy birthday uh, on uh, tax day. I'm very taxing, I know. And until I came to America, I thought my birthday was a nice day. It's 15, no? But here, it's a little bit different. Anyway, have an amazing um, week. And next week, I promise we will talk about the decans, the deans of uh, astrology. Thanks a lot.